The content of this podcast is personal opinion of the hosts and guests and is not to be taken, interpreted, or perceived as medical advice on the practice of medicine. I mean, I'm aesthetic and for heaven's sakes. I know. I know everything. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Aesthetic Podcast. This is your host, Aesthetic Anne, R-N-C-A-N-S. And your other host, favorite host, Sarah. Absolutely. Everybody's <laughs> favorite host. Welcome back to another episode. This episode's going to be spicy. It's going to be good. We've got some segments to start us off. Coming Woo-hoo. in hot. Yay. Hit the ground running. All right. But before we get into that, we should mention we're outside today. We are on location. We're on location. Ladies and gentlemen. And it's freaking nice. Okay. I feel like I haven't been outside in like a week. A month. A month. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a month. Well, because of everything that's going on, plus the weather here in Dallas has been so gloomy, just like perfect apocalyptic weather. <laughs> However, like gloomy, yeah. foggy, misty when you go out, like no cars on Damn. the road. Yeah. We're gr- we're actually growing moss on unintentionally. Yeah. Not like not trying to grow parts moss. of my yard yeah. is getting moss, so it hasn't seen but it's so time. stinking nice out. It's a breezy 82 degrees in the back patio. We are in the shaded half. Sunny, clear. Okay, so... So we're outside. We're on location. We've got some, se- some segments coming at you. <laughs> got some segments coming at you, people. First one, an old favorite. Review of the week. Ooh. I'm not excited about this one because I don't know where it's going to go. Oh, <laughs> it's kind of negative. <laughs> kind of negative? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's three stars. I feel like they were kind of generous because of what they're about to say. They give us three stars. The title is Nurses Practicing Medicine. Ooh. They say... Oh, wait. My hair's already standing up. It's fine. It's fine. Let me keep reading. <laughs> That's all. Okay. They said, when nurses try to practice medicine traditionally practiced by physicians, they open themselves up to governance by the physician's medical board. There are good reasons for LLR governance. Lots of other practitioners have tried unsuccessfully to practice as MDs seeking payment for expertise they don't while putting patient safety at risk. I think they forgot a word there, but that's okay. They had to have forgotten a word. So, okay. Do they believe I'm practicing medicine on this podcast? Because apparently he hasn't freaking listened to the beginning of the podcast because we have a disclaimer in there saying this is not considered the practice of medicine and that they need to basically check with their own physician before any of these treatments. I don't know if they're calling you out. I think they're just saying your opinion of nurses practicing medicine that is traditionally done by physicians. Well, that that is true. Nurses don't practice medicine. Okay. I think that there's a big problem in the medical community, especially with the Texas Medical Board, believing that because nurses inject Botox and fillers and some of these other treatments that we are practicing medicine. Well, we're not. not. You're taking the direction of a supervisor. We we are being supervised and delegated to, and it is in my, within my license to do IM injections and to do, you know, did you know fillers are implantable devices, actually? They're not even mm-hmm. a prescription. They're a prescriptive implantable device. I so, feel like the gist of what they're saying is if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. No, that's or not what you, they're saying at all. Yeah, they're saying... 
when nurses try to practice medicine that is traditionally done by physicians, they open themselves up to being governed by the Texas Medical right. Board. And, and so they're saying if you want to play in the big leagues, no, you're going to play in the big leagues. No, well, he's. But what they're doing is they're making a lot of assumptions. I'm not saying I'm agreeing with them. <laughs> I'm, d- I'm just I trying to interpret. I I know I'm trying to interpret too, but. They are, that person is making several assumptions. So first of all, correct, nurses do not practice medicine. Nurses practice nursing practice. Nurses practice nursing practice. Yes. So if you become a nurse practitioner, whom our guest, who seems to be waiting on the line, our guest is a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. She is able to create a physician-patient relationship. She is able to prescribe. She is able to diagnose. And she's able to write a year-long treatment plan. All four of those of which I, as a registered nurse, am not able to do. And you don't do. And I don't do it. But I certainly do have my opinions. <laughs> I know you do. And this is my podcast. I know it is. And I am not prescribing to people what they should be doing, but I will tell someone what I think they should or shouldn't be doing because that's what I do. It's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And we have a disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast. So there you go. Final that's thoughts. my rebuttal. Okay, that's it. Final thoughts, you disagree in conclusion. My final thoughts are that person has a major problem with nurses doing aesthetic treatments. And I'm going to say it, most likely a dermatologist. Mm. Don't know. Mm. But, oh, what's their name? Do we know who it is? Or were they pissant enough not to give their name. I think they were a little chicken enough to oh, just run their fingers the across the keyboard. Who they are. Yeah, their name is Riddigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigigig
But yeah, okay. So I would rather do that. Okay. Actually, in all reality, neither one. <laughs> That's okay. That's not the game. The game is just to pick one. Okay. What's number two? Oh, that's it. That's all we have for today. Oh. <laughs> I thought there was a, uh, I thought there was a list of questions. No, 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 just one. Okay, I'm gonna run out if we do a list. Okay, just all one right. today. That was it. Okay, would we rather continue to talk about this, or <laughs> would we rather introduce our guest? I'm gonna say since move we're on taking to the up her guest. valuable time. I'm gonna say move on to the guest. Okay. Our guest today is a dear friend, a colleague, if you will. Her name is Katherine Johnson. She is a board-certified family nurse practitioner through the American Academy of Nurse Practitioners and also a member of the Texas Nurse Practitioners. She's a founding member of the only independent practice association for nurse practitioners in Texas, NP Access. She is a proud graduate of Texas Women's University. She has her own practice here in Frisco called Johnson Family Medical. She also graduated from Oklahoma State University. Oh, ouch. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. <laughs> in 2010, earning a degree in nutrition with an emphasis in dietetics. Her combined classroom instruction and clinical experience over seven years is has allowed her to become well-versed in helping patients heal from their multiple chronic conditions, including weight gain and biologic and metabolic perspective. So she has a lot of good information. We're going to be diving into some of those topics today. So Catherine, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Well, tell us where you are today. What are you doing? What are you up to on this oh lovely... Gosh, I'm loving the sunshine. It's like the sunshine came out and it just totally boosted my mood. So I'm loving that. I'm loving the review um, about nurses practicing practicing medicine. <clears throat> that is just hilarious to me as an NP. A lot of MDs do not like us, so I'm enjoying that. Um, and doing a lot of telehealth amidst everything that's going on. So um, that's a new feature we added to the practice, and that's been taking off. That's honestly. awesome. I'm, I'm loving it. Are you, You're liking it so far? Are you having good yes. feedback from your patients? Say that again? Are you having good feedback from your patients? Yes, we are. Um, patients are really enjoying it. I mean, some things it's a little harder to do, but in general, it's so easy. They get to stay home. They get to call in. We do a video chat. It's all HIPAA encrypted. Um, it's just, it's the ease and of doing it that I'm like shocked. I wish I would have rolled it out sooner. That's awesome. So today's topic, we're going to be talking because we, the, all the things that you do, we could talk about a lot of stuff, but we're basically going to discuss metabolic disorders, weight loss, things like that. So, and in fact, you have been working with me on that. So... Um, as a patient, as a patient, yes. So I, <laughs> I, I now waive. <laughs> I now waive any HIPAA. Like you can discuss if you want to oh. use my situation as an example. You are more than welcome, uh, because I, I, I'll just come out and say it. I know that I'm having. I'm going through menopause. I know that I'm losing testosterone and estrogen, progesterone. I know I'm that all is going on. Um, but I was actually pretty shocked with my own numbers. Uh, I was surprised I had testosterone of four. <laughs> out of? <laughs> yeah, out of what's the range? Well, you know, it depends on the lab, but I would say anything under 12, we're lucky at red. 
Um, you would certainly feel better if it's, you know, above 80 to 100. So your, your four is just like, hey, I'm here. I'm trying. <laughs> it's just hanging on. It, it's, that's me. That's just, it's my personality. It's like it's hanging on by a fingernail it sometimes. Living by a prayer. <laughs> so, um, and then, but what really surprised me is my, um, you told me I was pre-diabetic and I was actually really shocked with that. Now, I'm not shocked in the fact that I've gained 30 pounds in the last four years, <laughs> but sure. I kind of chalked that up to to my loss of testosterone and menopause and all that kind of thing. And as I shared with you, uh, the endocrine system is like, I have a very loathing relationship with the endocrine system. <laughs> I, I can't stand it. It was my worst one going through nursing school. It was kind of like when it was the endocrine system, I'm like, okay, I've got three other systems that we're covering. I'll just know those awesome. And I'm not going to worry about the endocrine system. And that's pretty much how I functioned. So there you go. There's my idea with the endocrine system. So <laughs> I I'm going to leave it up to you. I know system. you're, you're I tell, insane. I tell you're weird. I'm like, y'all, this is the group text to the body. If and, your endocrine system is messed up, everything's going to be messed up. I just think it's fascinating. I, I love how things are connected. Um, you can be preventative with it. You can treat it in different ways, you know, a little bit more holistic or with medications that actually work, you know, you're not just kind of scatter shooting. So I love the endocrine system. I will tell, I mean, I know you shared your story, but honestly, I um, got married when I was 27 and I'd always been pretty petite. Um, I was working nights as a nurse previously. I was in nurse practitioner school, just finished planning a wedding. I was so stressed. And by the time we got married, I put on like 30 pounds. I had no sex drive, which was super fun for my husband as a newlywed. Um, <laughs> nice. And so, yeah, right. And so this went on and on and, and everyone would tell me, oh, you're fine. You know, it's not your thyroid. You're probably just depressed. Like here's some medication for that, which I'm not minimizing. You know, certainly if you need a medication for a mood disorder, you should yeah, absolutely was, take that. You know, yeah. like I'm not saying that at all, but. Um, that was really not my issue. My right. issue was I had no testosterone. I had totally shot my adrenal glands from high stress. And so my cortisol was through the roof. My insulin was through the roof. You know, exercising, doing caloric deficit dieting made it all worse because it was just a physical stress on my body. Um, and so finally, I found a provider who checked my testosterone. We started doing that. Um, we did a diet that was really, I mean, honestly, it was the keto diet, which I know is totally a trend right now. But the thinking behind it was if you have good, healthy fats, not like, you know, McDonald's and stuff like that, but like yeah. good, healthy fats, avocados, chia seeds, fish, that would actually help my body make its own sex hormones. Um, and so I was able to heal my adrenal glands, get my sex hormones back on track. I was able to lose the weight. We got pregnant. I was 189 pounds after my baby. I had a very fun pregnancy. I did not withhold at all, right? Um, and I got down to 135 doing the same thing and feel great. So, you know, for me, I realized, and with my background in dietetics, like so much of weight loss that we tell people is discipline. And there is an element yeah. to you control your fork, but you also need a prescribed diet for whatever system is broken in your endocrine system. 
you know, is it your insulin? Is it your adrenal glands? Is it your sex hormones? Is it all three? It's just so important. So that way you're not yo-yo dieting and making things worse. Yeah. And when you explained certain things to me in the office, uh, it, it really did make so much sense. Um, so why don't you give people that analogy real quick about the, I think it was a three-legged stool. So, you know, I tell patients that weight loss is like a tripod. You know, one stool is going to be your thyroid. So if your thyroid's broken, obviously we need to fix it or you've got a wobbly leg. Same thing goes with your sex hormones. And then the last one is your metabolic hormones. So um, primarily insulin, insulin resistance, right? Um, and it's interesting, um, as a dietitian, I never really, I never sat for the test and didn't practice as a dietitian, but during my clinical hours, I realized that we're giving diabetics insulin, 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 and all they're doing is gaining weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really the diet for a di- diabetic patient was still a lot of carbs. And so, you know, I realized with insulin Diabetes is not a blood sugar issue. It's an insulin issue. If you already have too much insulin in your blood, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, I have allergies, promise. But if you have too much insulin in your blood and then we give you shots of insulin, we're making your insulin higher, which makes you gain weight. And so, you know, those are the three legs. Um, primarily, I focus on healing insulin, healing the adrenal glands, healing the sex hormones, and healing the thyroid. Yeah. So that's the stool. Yeah. Go into a little bit more about insulin and, and exactly what insulin resistance is. Because sure. I, don't, so, I don't know if people really understand that. Um, because honestly, I thought that I did. But you're so completely right that when people are type 2 diabetic, um, we're giving them insulin. And right. and, and they, they still are cutting back on their carbs and they have, you know, they're supposed to follow dietary restrictions and things like that, but it still doesn't seem to really be helping. But yet, we can get people to a point where, when they can drop the weight, we can get right. them off medications. So, right. if it really were an insulin, like a blood sugar issue, I don't think that could ever happen. Yeah. So, um, totally agree. Pre-diabetic patients, not to freak you out, Anne, but essentially your pancreas has been working overtime, you know, so we'll kind of break this down. Pre-diabetic patients, once they become pre-diabetic, about 80% of their pancreatic function has decreased and it's not working properly, Mm. okay? And so really, I'm of the mind, and this is just the way I practice, if someone is pre-diabetic, I treat them as diabetic, right? Because it's still the same pathophysiology. So essentially with insulin resistance, that's a type 2 diabetic. A type 1 diabetic needs insulin because their pancreas doesn't make enough insulin, which again, disease of insulin, right? Mm -hmm. So type 2, you will eat carbohydrates. So think anything white, anything with flour, anything with sugar, you will eat that. And in response to that, your pancreas excretes insulin into the blood. Mm -hmm. And you have insulin receptors throughout your body. When you have had a diet high in carbohydrates for a sustained amount of time, your receptors become less able to actually capture the insulin in your blood. Mm. They're damaged Mm. because they've been overused. So then your body thinks 
okay, we're not getting the glucose where it needs to go because insulin grabs glucose, takes it to your heart, your brain, your muscles. That's what you need to sustain life, right? So Mm -hmm. your body's like, okay, we're not getting the insulin response we need. So obviously we need more. So then it pumps out even more insulin until something finally gets into the receptor. By the time that that happens, your blood sugar can go really low. You'll have hypoglycemic attacks because essentially your response to eating a carbohydrate is like a roller coaster. Your blood sugar gets very high and then it gets very low. That excess insulin will store around your waist, your hips, your thighs, and Mm -hmm. it's very stubborn. It doesn't come off with exercise very easily. Um, And it can make you feel extremely tired because you're on this roller coaster of energy. Um, And so I hope I explained that well, but that really is insulin resistance and why it happens. Yeah, completely. And, And I didn't realize, but, you know, I look back now and there were times that I was having some hypoglycemic episodes when I would get, you know, Mm -hmm. I would get dizzy or even nauseous or lightheaded. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm a healthy person. I don't have, I shouldn't be feeling like this. I, I already. Well, and it's a cycle, right? Because then when you feel that way, you need to eat something high in carbohydrates to feel better. Yeah. That's the typical response, you know, whether you really need to do that. I won't go into, but then, then you're just on this vicious cycle. Which it sounds like to me, it's very, it's the same cycle as like an opioid addiction, honestly. Yeah. Because, you know, our body has opioid receptors and when the, when the receptors, um, we're taking, we're taking an opioid and then our receptors kind of get used to it. And then we have to take more opioid, more hydrocodone in order for it to be more effective because it's, and then, you know, the, the smaller receptors are capturing it. And pretty soon you run out of receptors that can capture a medication, you know, that lock and key into those receptors. And then right, right. You're, an, you're an addict. So basically I'm a sugar and carb addict. <laughs> it's so common though. Yeah. I mean, we're not picking on you. It's no, no, no. You know, there is an aspect to emotional eating, which is another, I mean, I know I call it a tripod, but that is a very important leg. Yeah. Right? Um, and really, if people have depression or anxiety, they should really track their food because there is likely, you know, a cyclical pattern here where you start to crash in the afternoon or start to feel down or start to feel anxious. And we know that, like with caffeine, you know, but it certainly happens with a high blood sugar. Okay, so why don't we wrap this into um, a nice little package just talk about succinctly the symptoms because we're kind of talking about that, but I just want our listeners to make sure that, that it clicks with them. So what kind of symptoms are they going to be having regarding this kind of metabolic issue that, that might snap them out of it and realize, oh, I should probably search for somebody. So, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are not in the DFW area, so maybe they can find somebody. Yeah. Or if you're in the DFW area, come see Catherine. But what would those symptoms be? So, you know, if you're having insulin resistance, really the symptoms of that are going to be craving things that are sweet. You'll eat them, you'll feel better, then you'll feel extremely tired. You can sometimes feel cold, clammy, have sweaty palms. Um, Then you'll eat something sweet again and feel a bit better and it happens again. And the biggest symptom is weight gain, like I said, around the waist, hips, and thighs. Um, Another symptom can be, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, needing to urinate, sweating, um, those are really kind of the biggest ones I would identify. Um, 
See, I, yeah. I identified all those. I, I attributed those to uh, going through menopause. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's a good point because some of these things will... Um, Mimic, maybe? Par- yeah, they'll parallel with one another. And that's why, you know, the endocrine system is the group text of the body, right? I mean, if you if you are sick with your insulin, you're going to have weight gain. When you have weight gain, you lose your testosterone, right? Yeah. You know, when you, and, and when that happens, your estrogen can get higher than your progesterone. When that happens, it attacks your thyroid. I mean, this is all so connected and that's why it's important to have someone think through the entire process, you know, and not just say, well, eat a salad, mm-hmm. you know, um, that a salad may not be what you need. You may need a little bit more fat or more protein or less protein, less fat. You know, it's very individualized. Yeah. And that's what you do is you also individualize it to them because you get their, yes. you, you do their blood draws, send it off to a lab. Um, tell us a little bit about that because I, although I've been an aesthetic nurse for the last 10 years, this is mm-hmm. something that goes on in med spas also. I see a lot of med spas offering hormone replacement therapy, offering pellets. I cringe because I do know that there's so much more to it than just getting a blood draw, getting some levels, and then sticking pellets in. Um, right. And I believe that you do more blood draws, more blood panels than most people. So kind of talk about that a little bit. Sure. So, you know, candidly, hormones, uh, bioidentical hormones specifically, um, I'm fully transparent with my patients and I'll be transparent with you. That is popping up places because it's primarily a cash business, right? Um, and so it's not something I agree with because I certainly don't give hormones to every single patient that comes in here. You have to qualify um, and they have to be safe for you. But basically with the lab values that I get, so let's say you're, I don't know, we'll just walk through, you know, you're a new patient, you're coming in, you have a lot of symptoms. Essentially, I'm going to talk to you about what's bothering you the most. What have you seen change? What are you eating? We'll check your labs. And with regard to the labs that I check that may or may not be different than other providers. It's just really how I prefer to practice and what I understand. Um, With regard to weight and appetite, I check a leptin level. Leptin is a hormone that sits in the gut and it tells your brain when you're hungry, when you're full, what you're craving. Um, And so that's an important one. If if someone has a history of yo-yo dieting, it will most likely be off and there's ways to reset that naturally. Um, I also check a fasting insulin. We've talked a lot about insulin. Obviously, you know why. Um, I check, you know, estradiol, testosterone, progesterone. In men, I also check the PSA for prostate. Mm-hmm. Um, I check a cortisol level to check in on adrenal gland function. We haven't really talked about adrenals, but the quick and dirty on adrenals, they're glands that sit on top of your kidneys and they excrete fight or flight hormones. And so if you're high stress, your cortisol may be up or down. Either way, it messes with your insulin, it messes with your female hormones and your male hormones. Um, Then I also check a full thyroid panel. Um, I want to make sure that the thyroid hormones are converting correctly um, and that they're being taken up in the blood properly. Um, Trying to think. I really think that, oh, I check vitamins, right? So vitamin deficiencies. Um, Certainly in women that have thyroid disorders, you want to check on an iodine, their selenium. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are the things I look at. I want to know the labs that pathophysiologically affect the system I'm checking to make sure that there's no stone left unturned. Yeah. And then what I found fascinating, because I'd always been told once you burn out your adrenals, you're done. But you say that the adrenal glands can actually be regenerated, like they can be restored and and back up and functioning. Yeah. So that's interesting um, that you were told that. Um, no, you, you can hear, heal your adrenal glands. I will say it's not a quick process and it does involve a lot of work um, with diet, with cleaning up habits, with taking the proper supplements, proper vitamins. Um, but certainly you can reverse adrenal fatigue, um, which can contribute a lot to your weight and what you're craving. Yeah. Everything you know, if is... someone has high, if, if someone has adrenal fatigue, they're typically craving salt. Um, mm. And the reason why is because salt and vitamin B12 are the fuel for your adrenal glands. Oh, so okay. if, you know, if I meet someone and they're like, I got to have coffee to start my day, I do okay, I eat lunch, I crash, then I go home, I have dinner, I'm tired again, I lay down and I can't fall asleep and I'm craving salt, yeah, that's probably your adrenal glands. <laughs> there you go. So people come in, they have their blood work done, and then what? where do you go from there? Like what are the solutions to... Um, you know, an action plan for patients? Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, I mean, it is, it varies for every patient, but I would say in general, um, you know, I, I do medical grade supplements that I recommend. There's, it's not a high pressure sale. It's just educating the patient on how these supplements work with these proper receptors. Um, there's certainly medication that we can try, um, for these, you know, for insulin resistance, um, for mood disorders, for hormones. Um, and that's really the action plan is I bring them in or do a telehealth visit to go over their labs. Um, I'm not the type of provider that call, has, you know, the MA call the patient and say, do this, this, and this, and hang up. I, I honestly have come to realize that patients are going to do what they want to do anyway. So the best thing is educating them on why they should be doing these recommendations. Yeah. Um, so there's you know, better understanding, better compliance. And that's essentially what we do is just go over the labs and I give my recommendations and answer questions. And then I see them every four weeks or so just to check in and make sure that they are making progress and that there's not any barriers and everything like that. Yeah. And I do love that about you. Nothing against MAs, but um, I think think a lot of um, physicians leave that up to their support staff now. I, right. And and the thing about a nursing license is that people don't realize that education is a big part of our license. And that, that education and, and understanding, like we recognize whether or not the patient understands the education we just gave them, or right. we recognize whether they don't understand and we see the deficits, you know, where we need to fill in the gap. Whereas, right. you know, if you're if you're a support staff that doesn't have that as part of your license, they're not going to recognize that, know that. They're just going to leave a message or talk to the patient, and there you go. And I think that's why a lot of patients come across as being noncompliant because they just really hadn't had the proper education, you know, moment. Yeah, and, and whether that education is... I would want is, someone to just say, hey, start this, and I'll just see how it goes. You know, I want to know what am I putting into my body? What should? What are the expected outcomes of it, right? I mean... 
uh, how long am I going to be on it? I just want to know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and the expectation for how long I'm doing something. But that's just, you know, that's my personality, I guess. Yeah. And I love my MA. I mean, oh, she's, she's awesome. She's the best. <laughs> she's awesome. I think, I think with this example, it's more the providers, right? So some providers really are so busy that they, they don't have time to have this conversation with every patient. And, you know, I understand that. Um, but as a provider, I feel it is my job, not my MA's job to explain what I'm recommending. Yeah, totally agree. Love that. So Catherine, where can people find you? How can they reach you? Oh, um, I mean, the website is probably the easiest way you can see what we offer, the services we provide. You can also book online. Um, it's johnsonfamilymedical.com. And there's a booking tab. There's also meet Catherine tab. Um, it's honestly pretty user-friendly in my opinion. No, I did build it. So I'm a little <laughs> biased, but that's the way to reach us the easiest. The, the phone number and everything is on there as well. It's a great website. Thank um, you. So real quick, for those people that are out of our area and they cannot come see you, even if they did telemedicine, they can't come see you. Is there a book or is there some publications or some places where maybe they can get some easy to read information for the, the lay yes. person, non-medical, um, that could kind of get them started on, on looking into this with their own body and their own journey. Absolutely. So, um, I'm going to recommend a few books actually. Um, the first one is called sex lies and menopause. It's by T.S. Wiley. Um, I will say that this is a, a little bit granola so that the starting of every title is like the lyric to a song. If you'll just, that. <laughs> I, love that. I know, I know that it's, yeah. If you disregard that, this really goes into menopause, how it affects your health and what you can do about it. Um, another good one is called the brain body diet by Sarah Godfrey. Um, another one is the, um, Look, Suzanne Summers wrote it. I'm not recommending that someone from Three's Company practice medicine. However, Suzanne <laughs> Summers actually beat breast cancer with bioidentical hormones. And so she was able to see some forward-thinking physicians because she had the money at yes. the time. Yeah. And so she transcribed all of their interviews. And she did that with the book Ageless for those that are nearing menopause and also I'm too young for this, which is exactly my story. Um, and that's about perimenopause. So oh, that's great. those are just a few of my recommendations. That's great. And so I want to remind everybody out there that is listening to this, just because somebody's offering hormone replacement therapy does not mean that they know what they're doing with that hormone replacement oh, yeah. therapy people. Yeah. So please, please look into... Uh, the people you're choosing to do that therapy because it is a cash pay business. It, right. um, it's a lot of places where physicians will begin. And if your physician does not have a, a well or your nurse practitioner um, does not have a, a foundational and clear understanding of the endocrine system, they can mm -hmm. really jack you up. <laughs> so please, um, take, don't take it lightly. It's not just, um, oh, I'm going to go get some pellets in my backside and I'm going to be fine. So it sounds disgusting and terrible. Yeah. So I anyway, know, well, that's so funny. I, I mean, honestly, Sarah, some of my patients call it the sex pellet because it like makes them feel 20 again. So just focus on that part. 
and not the getting it in their backside. Yeah. So thank you so much, Catherine. I appreciate your time being on our podcast. Oh, yeah. And, I appreciate um, you all. Thank we're gonna, you. There's so many things that we can talk about. Um, I think we're going to have to have you on maybe once a quarter or something like that. So, oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure that you leave us a review of your thoughts, opinions, questions, anything that you want on the podcast app, and we might read it on the next segment. You can always contact us, reach us at aestheticannrn at gmail.com or on our socials, Facebook and Instagram at aestheticannrn. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.